welcome to another episode of Metabytes. This is the third one I've done now, Andrew, in the last couple of weeks because I'm excited about the new equipment and I promise I'll stop talking about it because the last two have been like, the new equipment's amazing, amazing, amazing. Welcome, Andrew. Andrew Erkins. Thank you. To the podcast. And this is your first official podcast, I hear. Yeah, it is. It is. Been on a few webinars, but this is the first podcast. That's exciting. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's an interesting experience. You're not too nervous? Nah. <laughs> You're a pretty cool character. Oh, thank you. So um, I'm sure we will do very well together. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Andrew. <laughs> this goes back to the whole how are how you are conversation. You? Yeah. <laughs> We were talking earlier about the idea of saying, how are you? And in that moment, there's a million and one things that go through your head in terms of how much do I tell them and how much is too much information? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> are you really? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so in terms of hmm, where to start? What would you, you're a business owner yeah. and have been for for quite a long time in, in various businesses and various guises. Hmm. What was your first business that you that you ran? The first one <laughs> runs a bit of a subjective word. The, fir <laughs> the first business would have been freelance consulting okay. and uh, doing graphic design, web design, uh, some print work, print media. Oh advertising. wow! So you did the, all the graphic stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, oh, I started at the same place. Um, really loved that aspect of creating things and taking concepts of what people had in their heads and making something visual that conveyed the same message. And I think yep. the conveying the message part was what I loved about it. But that was just me. Yep. And how long ago are we talking when this Oh this would have been twenty years ago now. Oh, so wow. a little while. <laughs> and, and I did that for So you're only six when you started. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so um, did that for a little while. And then got involved well, I built up a decent um decent client base and started getting more into the website, the digital yep. side as a natural yep. evolution. I needed somewhere to put all my clients because they all need hosting with their websites and um, some friends of mine that I've known for a long, long time uh, were setting up a web hosting business and I thought, hey, you, you guys need some clients, you know, I need, I need some hosting. You know, so I transferred uh, all my clients across to their hosting service and about a week later, had a moment of panic <laughs> when I kind of went, oh, I've just given all my clients to this company that I don't know whether they're going to, how they're going to run, are they going to, wow, okay. what are they going to do? So yeah. there was an opportunity to buy into the business. And so that was number two. Interesting. Okay. This is Web in a Box. Yeah, that's right. So this well, I been... use some of your services. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so this would have been 2007. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So a yeah, little, yeah, 11 little years while ago. ago. Yeah. And then after that, of course, there was Digit as well. So that was, yep. Digit is four and a half years old now. So Digit Books, mm. zero-based bookkeeping and accountancy firm? Bookkeeping. Bookkeeping. So bookkeeping. It, it, there's so many different facets of accounting. It's We're looking at the information that allows business owners to make decisions about the business. So the day-to-day -day bookkeeping work, reconciling accounts, um, sending out invoices, treating bills, paying bills, payroll, that yep. side of things and reporting um, and sort of the management accounting side, the decision-making side, but not the taxation side, which is where people okay. usually define accountants as yes. sitting. Yes, yep, yep. 
Okay, that's interesting. So you started using Zero before you started Digit Books. Am I right in saying? Yeah. So I started using Zero with the consulting business. Yep. Okay. Um, that must have been in its infancy. Zero at yeah, the time. Yeah. Early early days. It was well. It was one of only two cloud based solutions out there. So it was that and Sasu has oh. been the two main solutions. So. <laughs> Sasu who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. What about um, as a kid? Do you remember your first kind of interaction with technology? Yeah. Where that sort of love of technology and came from? Yeah. So as a kid, um, grew up in a small mining town uh, up in Parabadu, up north. Oh wow! And two thousand people in the town, middle of nowhere. Um, there wasn't a lot to do you know outside of whatever your imagination could take you and wherever your friend yeah so we used to spend a lot of time out playing sports playing cricket outdoors exploring the creek beds going bush bashing and camping a lot um and i think it was at the age of six uh dad had flown down to perth and came back with these two massive massive boxes and i think you know you, you can recall what it was like back then to get the old crt monitors yep yep monochrome (laughs) <laughs> yeah, green screen. Uh, he unpacked this mammoth of a box, and that was the monitor, and then a second box, and that was the PC. Um, what was it? Five and a five and a quarter inch floppy disks at My the time. God, yeah, yeah. What did they hold? It was something ridiculous. The the memory size in these things. Oh, was something tiny. K. Wasn't yeah. it like hundred twenty eight K or something? Like That's just ridiculous. The the change. And Dad had brought back these two games, and one of them was this. And he, he bought a joystick as well, which is an important part of the story. <laughs> and um, there were these two games that he had, and one was like a helicopter game where you had to try not to crash, basically. Okay. And I really loved it, and that was kind of the first experience with technology on a, you know, on that kind of scale in terms of someone built this thing and built this game. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in high school, my friends uh still in parabadu no or sorry moved, is... moved down to perth okay uh, so got after primary school was shipped off to boarding school <laughs> and which uh, school did you go to uh, aquinas oh wow okay yeah, so just nice. on the river yep and um i was a boarder there and uh, my friends in year 10 uh, took up programming principles oh wow okay and i had a bad case of fomo yep and yep. Wasn't doing the subject, but decided I wanted to teach myself programming because yep. they were all into it and it seemed like a fun thing to learn. What and was the language of choice back then from, from oh, a coding perspective? Um, basic. Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basic and Turbo Pascal <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And a little bit of, weirdly enough, um, oh, assembly. Okay. <laughs> This is yeah. This is going back a long time, and and it's kind of funny because uh, those languages well not basic or but but assembler and assembly, um, they're quite low level languages in, in the sense that you're doing everything. Okay. You know you're you're doing there's there's so much maths and other bits and pieces involved, and it's all very base logic. Yep. You know this goes on, this goes off. Yeah. Yeah. And we were building games at the time. Oh, wow, okay. And I always look back at that and go, I think I knew more about programming then than, you know, it's like the tools yep. get better and better and better. And so you almost 
know less and less and less about what <laughs> underpins it all and it just yeah. it just works stuff just works yeah. yeah but you know all the little pieces that went into getting that tool to the to the sophisticated stages that now where all of a sudden there's ai and there's other stuff you know i reckon i knew more about how things work back in those days yeah i mean it's now. still still binary though isn't it it's still on yeah. and off just yeah. now but a lot quicker yeah. <laughs> a lot quicker and a lot more complex <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i was listening to a podcast i can't remember the other day and there was a guy on there talking about a new type of chip they've they've created which acts in a really strange way which is you know binary is obviously zero and one on mm. and off but this chip when they brought it down to something like just above absolute zero it was doing strange things it was like a a connection between the one and the zero i can't remember i'd have to i'll have to try and find out about that podcast but it was really interesting where technology is going the binary part of it is still there but it's it's disappearing um which is interesting yeah so there's more different quantum sort of <laughs> more different states that something can hold yeah definitely yeah yeah that sort of stuff have you always so you always love technology yeah what about the creative side then because you said you you started doing sort of graphic design and, and printing had you had you always been a, a creative soul at heart yeah the two always went hand in hand you know again primary school used to love to draw um create stuff always yep. and especially growing up in a small mining town where there's not much to do your imagination and your creativity yeah, is yeah, yeah. is what gets you through <laughs> you know you, you find stuff to do you invent things you, yeah, you live yeah. in this very rich world yeah um and and so those two things went hand in hand so that through high school there's always that mix of programming and logic based you know yep. maths based yep. uh, disciplines but also um, art and drawing and painting and everything else in between and that creative side yeah and so those two things um sort of went hand in hand through it's kind uni. of inevitable that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well kind of i, I took a uh, took a side turn uh in university and because growing up in a mining town it made sense to go into mining engineering okay oh wow okay so i did a few years of that and then yep. realized that it wasn't where I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. Yep. So I moved back to Perth and a friend of mine who had always equally been just as enamored with art and and, and programming and, and the science side, you know, um, got me a job at a, one of the early agencies and we were designing websites in those days. Oh, wow. So okay. that's kind of where it started. This would have been 98, 99. Wow. Okay. What were you using to, to build the sites back then? Is this sort of Dreamweaver based? So purely HTML? Yep. This was yep. hand coding. Wow. You know, yep. Yep. I, you know, there's some habits that you still keep. Uh, I still use Notepad from time to time okay. to, to write code. I still hand code things. Oh, you do? Okay. Um, it's, I don't know. The, it, it's like there's an art to the science. There's an art to doing things in an elegant way and writing code in a way that has its own sense of beauty to it in its simplicity and the way in which it's written. That you, No one ever sees it. <laughs> I don't think anyone would care if something was you know point one of a millisecond slower because yep. the code was more bloated yeah yeah but in the act of creating it it's it's you know there's a beauty in that it's like poetry so. <laughs> you're a true true, co <laughs> true coder at heart for sure you also love reading yeah yeah what's your favorite well-worn book that you have that you take with you is there is there a, a book that you constantly come back to Hmm. I wouldn't say there's one that I constantly come back to. There's always 
what I really like is being exposed to a lot of different ideas. Yep. And and so there's I love reading to learn a new point of view and see something and then there are things that you apply and you hear someone else's point of view that might be opposed and there'll be things that you still take out of that and apply. So there's nothing specific that I go back to. Um, hmm, but I just love absorbing, absorbing new information. So the last thing that I would have read would have been uh, Mark Manson's book, The Subtle Art. Yeah, of yeah, of not, <laughs> of not yeah. giving a whatever. Yep. I've I, I've got that one on the coffee book, um, the coffee table at home just now as well. That's an amazing book, mm. absolutely amazing. Um, I've got a question that I've asked everybody that's been on the podcast so far, and it's a more business related question, obviously. Mm. If you were starting a new business, whatever that would be, and you only had ten thousand dollars in the bank, what would you spend it on? knowledge like education and learning Um, okay every every business that I've been involved with to date yeah maybe that's a bit of the e-myth in there as well in terms of technician moving into business yeah you know there's a lot that you can do to build something up but what defines whether you're successful or not really comes down to how you apply what you know. Yep. And so I always think the more you invest in yourself, um, the more you look to learn, the the better, the more likely that you'll succeed. So I think even from an early stage, I'd always invest that money in learning more about what it is that I wanted to set up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a great answer. I mean, I think, you know, the, the cliche comment, knowledge is power. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Too many people, I think you're right, go into, um, or just in life in general, don't know enough. And I think being able to read and absorb information and argue a point or, you know, have an informed sort of mind is, is probably one of the most powerful things that you can, that you can give yourself. There's a... There's an Andy Warhol quote flown around that going into business is one of the most creative things that you can do. And it harks back to, you know, the, our earlier chat about, you know, the beauty of business in terms of making lots of choices. And I think it's having the context around what those choices are to make, yep. you know, so having the knowledge to decide what's the right thing to do in this situation. Yep. You know, you learn that through experience um, over time, every time, <laughs> every business, every every time you make a decision, you learn whether that was the right decision or not in that moment, in that you know, with what information you had at hand. Yep. But the more you can apply to learning what you can before you start, I think the better helps. setup you are. Yeah, the more it helps, rather than making those mistakes and learning the hard way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the thing with business is there's always going to be mistakes made, mm. but if you can kind of act swiftly enough and move on and learn from it. Um, I think you're usually in a pretty good place. What's one of the the um, biggest sort of business lessons you've been through, like a hard time, a, a <laughs> failure of, of, of sorts that, that you've really has made you as a business owner now, as a successful business owner, sort of created who you are, something that, that was quite hard to go through. Is there anything that you can think of? There's probably two, two key things that come to mind. The first is that... Um, some people know this, not everyone knows this, <laughs> is is that when Ray and I first, so Ray's my business partner, yep. he's a chartered accountant, so yep. you know me not with a bookkeeping background, needed someone with a strong accounting <laughs> pedigree yep. to yep. be able to run the business with. Um, 
I mean, that's a lesson in and of itself, find a good partner to go into business with. But when we first started it, um, we made a conscious decision that we were going to reinvest everything we made for a period of time back into the business okay. to be able to allow it to grow and succeed. Yep. And in doing that, we decided not to draw anything out of the business ourselves yep. okay. during that time. And in theory, that's great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. But when you're having to make conscious decisions in terms of do I feed the dog or me, you know, that sometimes that comes back to bite. So if you didn't feed the dog, it yeah. certainly would. <laughs> well, the dog always got I fed. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so yeah, initially we decided on a 12-month period. Wow. And it was just... Okay. So like zero drawing from yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. And so on the side... Um, on the, on the side, you know, I was still doing consulting work to be able to fill yep. the gaps, pay yep. the mortgage and do everything yep. else. And in retrospect, you know, that period of time of not pulling anything out of the business set the business up and allowed us to accelerate growth really, really quickly. Yep. But in the same way, that was a really, really difficult time. Mm. And after about 18 months, I hit a point <laughs> where, so it was meant to be for 12 months, yeah. so I'll go a little bit longer. Um, dog's still alive yeah, we're still going we're still okay. good <laughs> after 18 months I hit a point where the passion was waning a touch it was just becoming a little bit too much it was sort of it was, it was yeah. yeah having to make a choice do I still want to keep doing this or is it time to start looking at the realities of it and you know so you know um, moved over to to being paid a salary from within yep. the business and yep. sort of that's continued on today and, and now everything's fine <laughs> but yeah looking at that I don't regret it and there are a lot of good lessons learned but I wouldn't recommend that process to anyone having gone through it okay even though you came out the other end I suppose a stronger a stronger person to a degree well well I think if I was to do it again the decision would be different the decision would be make sure I have enough money up front <laughs> <laughs> to get through yeah. for a certain period of yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so a different uh, a different way of doing the same thing. Yeah. What so, was the second one? Oh, the second one... The second one is really something that has... It's, it's becoming more and more relevant as we grow. Is that when you first start out, you want everything to be right. You want everything to be, you want every experience that every every customer, every person, every person that you touch to be right. You want the business to be exactly how you see it in your head. Yeah. And as more and more people get involved, it's harder and harder and harder for to maintain that. And I think the second lesson is really about letting go and getting out of your own way. Okay. And as we've continued to grow, there are more and more people in the business now that are far smarter than we are. <laughs> that are far more capable, that are in a that are better placed to be able to take the business to the next level. Yeah. So it's being comfortable letting go of things and stepping yeah, aside. Yeah, which can and, be hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, and just being okay with that outcome, being okay with you know letting everyone else in the business decide where the business goes and not yeah. having to be the the person that controls everything. Definitely, which I think a lot of business owners do find hard to do. Mm. Um, I'm going through well, I'm not going through that just now I've kind of accepted the fact that I need for my next stage of business need help in 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 growing mm. and I've got a guy starting next week Victor hello Victor if you're if you're out there um, and and it's somebody that's 
I am trusting has got the experience and the knowledge that I don't have. And, and yes, yeah, it's, it's about trust, isn't it? Hmm. And about, yeah, I think the letting go part is a big lesson for people and surrounding yourself with people that can support you and are good at what they do. I mean, you can't be good at everything. Yeah. Even though we like to think we are, you know, it's, but I think it's really good that you've got a, and I'm in, the, in a similar boat, got a good idea about a lot of the things. Mm. But, you know, you let somebody do that part. You know, you, you let go of that part, even though you, you've got the knowledge behind it and you know the strategies, the, the sort of the, the workings of it. But, you know, some people have, have obviously better skills in, in things than you do. I think that's the balance is knowing enough to know if everything's still okay. But being able to let go and allow other people to step into that gap and, and take things forward. Yeah, it's definitely a trust thing, isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah. It, it's, it's, what's that old saying? You know, if you trust something, you should let it go. That's, if you, or if you, what is it? If you love something, you should let it go. I yeah. the exact quote. <laughs> but just along those same lines, it's, it's hard to let go of something that you've built and that's so close to your heart that mm. all you want is for this vision to be real. But then in order to allow it to, to grow and evolve, you have to... Yeah. And you get to a different level of sort of, you know, because you're enabling other people to to have a say in it and to be part of it as well. So you're mm. sort of you're growing the, the kind of love, aren't you? Yeah. By, by help by helping people about bringing people in and, and letting them be who they are. So we, we had a really good chat with the team um, last year. And it was a bit of a philosophical change in the business. And Leah and I sat down with with everyone and said that, well, where we see our roles in the business is really just as shepherds. We want you guys to decide where you want the business to go and to wow. decide where you want to take it into new markets, into new areas, across states, into new services. You guys decide where you want to take the business because this is as much your business as ours. Yeah. And you know, I, I guess it's always more important for the people that are there with you on the journey to feel like they're also achieving their own dreams. Of course. And yeah. finding a way... For, like, the business is just a vehicle, right, for all of us on this journey. So, you know, if, if everyone's going in the direction that they want to go in, well, then it's going to be an interesting journey. That's amazing. And we're just happy to see where it ends up. Mm. <laughs> That's great. That's great. From a technological point of view, mm. zero. I mean, you obviously, that is your focus with the business. Is your Zero is the, the platform you use for, yeah, for, for bookkeeping, obviously. Zero only. <laughs> zero only, which is amazing. And you have won awards. Yeah. Um, was it last year or the year before? It would have been the year before, yeah. From the, the, be well, the best, the <laughs> was it the top zero bookkeeping yeah. firm in, in Australia, am I right in saying? Yeah, so at the Australian Accounting Awards, we've won the um, Australian Bookkeeping Firm of the Year. And then wow. uh, we also won Zero's um, Bookkeeping Partner of the Year for Australia as well. In a, so in, in an 18-month period, we did fairly well, um, <laughs> which is nice. It is nice, but it's not. It doesn't obviously define who you are. I think no. what you were talking about before defines who you are with the, with the kind of vision and how you're enabling the team and the business to, to grow. Well, that's the only thing that matters. And the awards are nice, but they're... Uh, it's a little bit of they're, a... They're a side... <laughs> you know, they're, they're a consequence of what you focus on and what you care about and yeah. not, the, not the be all and end yeah, all. Yeah, and the digital marketing, marketing ad, ad agency level, they love their awards yeah. as well. Everybody loves a good award, but... Yeah. What does it really mean? I mean, if things aren't really working or people aren't happy in the business, it means absolutely, absolutely nothing. And yeah. clients, especially if your clients yeah. aren't happy. What's happening with zero then? What's the 
Is there any big changes on the horizon that you just like inside inside secrets that you know about zero? Because <laughs> um, I've been using zero for a long time as well, probably seven years, mm. I think, quite a long time. Early days. Early days, yeah, yeah, yeah. As a sole trader, um, yep. and now moving, I'm going up a level now <laughs> into <laughs> payroll. Um, but what's coming up? Anything? Any news you can tell us? Yeah, I mean, it, it's no secret. They've been talking about this for a while, but they're pushing to AI. And so would have been about a year ago, maybe a bit longer, where they started um, using machine learning to be able to start making recommendations mm. on line items and invoices. Wow. And the next logical step is applying that AI and machine learning to reconciling accounts. So... You know, there's a lot of predictive stuff they do at the moment. We think that uh, this particular type of expense that you've seen probably belongs here. Do you agree? Kind okay. of stuff. Yeah. But but the next step is taking that one step further and saying, well, we've seen that you've, you know, this particular subscription to zero has gone into subscription fees for the last 20 times. We're guessing we're just going to do fees. <laughs> So there'll be more of that. And I mean, what that will, you know, change for businesses, it'll reduce the amount of time spent with the, transactional processing side yep. and enable people to spend a little bit more time um, looking at what those figures mean and where things sit for businesses. And I mean, it's a big project for them to do. There's a lot of, from a technical perspective, there's so many complications mm. in yep. when, when you think about it, right? Every business will have their own chart of accounts, their own particular way in which they like to code things. Yep. And so it's really hard to develop a a solution that goes across the board for all businesses and so this is a business by business type of ai that kind of looks at what are the patterns in your business and how yep. do you treat things and treating them the same way so there's still a space there for bookkeepers and accountants yep uh, because of that but it, it will well, it's, the, it's the people skills isn't it yeah. it's the strategy it's the getting helping people understand what, what is number because the numbers are the numbers yeah but if you're if the budgets aren't set up correctly if mm -hmm. you're not forecasting and that's something over the last couple of years that along with my accountant i've got much better at <laughs> and zero has enabled that mm -hmm. because it is such a from an interface point of view is, is such an easy tool to to look at but you still need help in knowing which numbers you need to be looking at and, and guidance guidance yeah. with it so that's where i think ai is a very exciting place mm. It just means that there's going to be different jobs for humans down the track. You know, it's going to be more of a, a human to human sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's a it's a scary space, but a, a quite a an amazing space. I think with anything, with any change, there's opportunity. You know, with as tech continues to change the face of well, every industry really but you know specifically in, re in regards to accounting bookkeeping as tech continues as more things get automated it just creates new opportunities and new of avenues course, yeah you yeah. can either uh, be the person that helps advise people in terms of what those numbers mean you can be the person that helps connect and implement new solutions in terms of connecting cloud-based platforms yeah. as they continue yeah. to evolve faster than yeah. you learn one there's two new ones that have just popped up that do similar things okay um or you're the person that builds those tools that, that takes that data and turns that into insights in a way that might be specific to an industry. There's lots of opportunity out there. It's just adapting to that change and being comfortable with the fact that things will continue to change. Yeah, definitely. And I think with Zero especially, I mean, the bigger players in the industry, the MYOBs and mm. guys like that, were slow in the uptake, to say the least. Yeah, what? yeah, <laughs> they, they, they were. And 
to the cloud-based system. Um, they were sort of not caught unawares, but they just didn't implement their take on it quick enough. Although they have now, obviously, there's, there's cloud-based sort of platforms everywhere. It, it's challenging for them. I mean, it's, it's easy to be complacent when you're the incumbent, when, when you are the main solution that most people use. It's easy to not think about, well, what's the next step of evolution in terms of your particular industry? And so Myob were caught out in that regard. Um, you know, Zero's come along and Myob now have a split difficulty of having to support their legacy systems as well as developing a cloud-based yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting... Um, they recently pulled out of... Um, recently pulled out of a purchase of Reckon's accounting, Australian accounting uh, business and... They announced that they were going to invest money into R and D. Okay. And I think it was a, a sum of around fifty million that they were looking to invest in R and D in the next two years. And correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Um, but then you look at what Zero spent over the last ten years, and I think it's been about four hundred thirty million spent over ten years. So about forty three million a year versus twenty five million a year. And that <laughs> kind of summarizes where I see the difference between how much they're willing to invest in technology and now where they're going to get to in the future. Um, the biggest challenge, I guess, for Zero for me will be coming from QuickBooks, who okay. have really deep pockets and uh, they have okay. a good product. So yep. I think yep. it'd be interesting to see how it evolves. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it was same in the graphic design industry back in the day. Do mm. you remember Quark Express? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that was like the for desktop publishing was the the number one tool. Yeah. Then Adobe slowly but surely sort of info. I think they had PageMaker originally. Yep. Um, and then obviously InDesign came out yep. and just the whole process and how simple it was to use the Adobe suite of products hmm. just and Quark just disappeared. I mean, they had absolutely no, I don't know if they just didn't see it coming or Adobe just did such a good job. I mean, was Quark Mac only back in the day? It may, there was PC versions of okay. it when I started using it, um, but it was like, the, it was just the the bit of software that you needed to do any any form of layout mm. um but adobe i think because it had it hand, its hand in kind of illustrator and photoshop mm. and it just seemed natural that they would then create a, a kind of desktop or um a layout tool and i don't, I don't know, even know if quark exists anymore i don't think it does no i wouldn't know yeah it's uh yeah I'm, the same thing happened though with um with photoshop back in the early day yep yep uh do you remember oldest photo styler? The name rings a bell, but I I don't think I ever used it. There was photo styler, there was Photoshop, <laughs> and very very similar in terms of what they could do. And you know, I don't even know what happened to to oldest. <laughs> it just vanished. But they had a very good product, and yeah, I, and that's um, thing Quark did as well. It was, yeah. it was a great product, but maybe there I think complacency probably plays a bit of a an element in it mm. um, not looking into the future at all or having any anything set or or even if it's even not caring for the clients I think or caring for the customers mm. is probably the big point that they had they had it all they had everybody had to use them because they were the only one yeah and then you've got somebody that starts caring for the clients Adobe and provides this beautiful suite and easy mm. to use and just sneaks in and and takes over which which lasts until i mean that's always the trap for any any large business is to never forget that <laughs> exactly yeah you know, have that mindset still yeah. yeah that it yeah i mean 
there'll, there'll be other businesses. It's like in the web industry, you know, the large web firms come and go in terms of, you know, the, the guys that come in dominate the market for a period of time. You know, at some stage, unless they continue looking after the businesses that they serve, at some point, someone else will come along that looks after them for them, and that you know, whatever industry you're in, that'll keep happening. Yeah, and that's. I mean, we had a we were chatting for an hour or so before the podcast, and we talked about that. It's it's about care for the client. I mean, mm. that's ultimately what businesses are there for. Um, obviously, there's the element of you are there to make money as well. That's mm. we're not hiding that fact, but the only re- way you can do that is through absolute care and and um yeah transparency with your with your customer base not take them for granted at all um we're talking about just like popping into clients and just saying hello and being 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 human to to people it's you know people talk about b2b all the time mm. it's not b2b at all it's um it's person to person at every stage i yeah. think yeah yeah definitely the case it's um yeah, it's one of the risks with with zero that I see as well. Okay. In terms of as they continue to grow, it will be interesting to see how they address that problem because it's yep. a new problem to them <laughs> as, a, as a growing business that has yep. a large subscriber base, yep. how to continually engage. And so they've just recently announced a head of community whose you know, core role is to tackle that. Wow, okay. And so it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next few years in terms of how well they can maintain that connection or whether there's going to be another another accounting-based piece of software that, you know, that speaks to people. Oh, definitely, definitely. We talked briefly about Photoshop before, and mm. I want to go into photography a little bit because mm. you are a bit of a keen photographer, am I right in saying? <laughs> keen amateur, yeah. Keen, keen amateur photographer. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously this comes from your creative your creative genes, but mm. it's something you you love to do, yeah? It's a really good escape. Um, yep. I guess two aspects of it. It's this. There's something beautiful about being able to capture a moment or a scene or something at a point in time and be able to share that and and you know and remember that moment. And so photography, I love for that reason being able to and especially landscape photography, mm-hmm. being able to sit on a cliff somewhere and just watch the sunset and capture that sunset i think there's something beautiful in that um but the other aspect of photography and why i like it especially landscape photography is that there's ironically though that there's so much tech <laughs> that we're surrounded by like sitting in front of a computer all the time yep, yep. and emailing and being on the phone all the time being constantly connected being able to disconnect drive out you know six hours into the countryside and just sit there um, go camping and just run around with, with the uh, you know with the camera and just take some photos sort of gets me away from things even though there's a little bit of tech involved but it's not the same sort switch your phone off just yeah disappear for a little bit i think everybody needs to do that every now and again the, the irony though is it's still a camera and a drone but, you know, but <laughs> so you still love yeah, the text yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. a little bit there's a little bit of text still in there but but being able to get away and yeah just be in that moment yep is that your sort of form of meditation to a degree? Yeah. Sort of just getting away and yeah, and doing that? Packing the swag and picking a direction <laughs> and <laughs> driving and seeing where I end up, yeah. Excellent. Well, Andrew, thank you very much for coming in for a chat. No, thanks for having me. Got some good stuff, I think, from, from the chat. And um, where can people, if they do want to connect or or find out more about you or say hello, where where's the best place for them to connect with you? 
uh, either through our website, um, digibooks.com.au, or just uh, by email, um, just andrew at digibooks.com.au. Or you know, people can find us on Instagram or Twitter and a million and one other social <laughs> media <laughs> channels. So, yeah, you can find us. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And I'm sure you probably need to get home to feed the dog. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hopefully it hasn't been neglected too much. Thank you. Thanks very much.